Welcome to House to Home Podcast. It's here that we'll learn how to cultivate an eternal haven in our temporary world. So grab a cup of coffee, do the dishes, or even take a drive in your car. Whatever it is you do while listening, I hope you feel right at home. today and we're going to be talking about books in the home. This will be a fun one and it's more laid back and probably won't be as long but we know most of our listeners are big readers and love books and so today we're just going to be talking about not so much what we're reading and our favorite books but more about why books are important and our relationship to books and try to give you some tips about reading and that sort of thing. So we're going to start off with an icebreaker since this is more of a laid back podcast and we're going to share with you what we are currently reading. So Mason, what are you currently reading? This should be fun because he's in seminary. I don't even know all the books I'm reading. (laughs) Um, For real, I don't know all the books I'm reading. I'm reading at least six uh, for seminary. Most of them aren't that exciting. Two of them that I'm reading right now, I'm taking um, Church History 1 and Hermeneutics. Um, my Hermeneutics book, I've been enjoying that. Um, it's Scripture as Communication by, I think, Janine K. Brown is her name. Um, she was surprisingly, I don't know, just really good when it comes to hermeneutics. And if you don't know what hermeneutics are, it's the basically the ways that we interpret the Bible. What methods uh, do we take to understand its meaning? So I'm reading that. Um, as far as seminary goes, that's been fun. There's another book on church history called Sanctified Vision. I cannot remember who it's by, but it's been fun. Um, but as far as outside of seminary goes, um, I'm not reading much. There's a book that I've been chipping away at over time called A Defense of Poetry by Sidney. He was a Puritan. Uh, the Puritans, uh, on the whole, and the main were many times um, not big advocates of poetry Uh, so he felt that he needed to make a defense of the arts and uh, poetry and the like so i've been enjoying that book slowly but surely it's been taking months to get through it um, which is normally not the pace i like to go but when you're reading six books um, at a time for seminary and eight week periods it's um, yeah you don't get as much reading done so what are you reading Yeah, I'm reading more of what I want to read right now. Um, I'm reading Till We Have Faces by C.S. Lewis, and I'm really enjoying that fiction. I don't read fiction a lot. This might be the only fiction I've read this year, and I'm only, like, into chapter three or four because I had to sit it down with school starting up. Then I'm also reading The Weight of Glory. Well, I'm reading the collaboration of essays. Um, the rate of the weight of glory is in there so it's just a lot of little essays um, put together by C.S. Lewis and then I'm reading letters to a pastor's wife which is more like devotional not super like nothing super profound but it is helpful I feel like for those that are pastor's wives or ministry wives and then um, The Hidden Art of Homemaking by Edith Schaefer. And I really love that. That's actually, I think our house to home listeners would really benefit from that one. I'm going back through it right now and taking notes for house to home podcast. So she touches like decorating and cooking and um, gardening, all sorts of fun things. And it's all home related. So that's a good one. 
I mean, I think that's all other than the good old trusty Bible. Yeah. Till you had faces, that was actually my least favorite C.S. Lewis book. Um, but I figured you would like that I one like a lot. It. When it's I read probably that, more of a female. Yeah, it's got a female yeah. lead. Not that I'm opposed to that. It just wasn't as appealing to me. Yeah. Couldn't get into it. I understand. Yeah, maybe I, like I could it. now. So we didn't really have a lot of organization to this <laughs> podcast. We kind of just decided, hey, let's grab some drinks and chill out and uh, talk about books and why we like books. So we don't have maybe the structured outline that we normally do, but I'd kind of like to just talk about a couple things that I really enjoy about books. Um, the first being that books are really symbolic in, in the way that I think about them. They're kind of like tokens of formation. It's something that you can gift people. It's a tangible thing that you can kind of say, I've read this book. It's really shaped me. It's formed the way that I think about this or that. And you can hand that to a person. You can gift a person with that. Um, and you just can't do that with so many other things. Like even a blog, uh, a blog is text just like a book is text, but it's not in a, uh, it's not in a tangible form like a book is. And even like a newspaper article that is tangible, it is like a set piece. You could cut out the article, I suppose, and give it to someone, but it's just not the same as a book. So books really have this unique symbolic aspect to them to where you can give someone something um, where they take that in and not only is it symbolic of like what you think, but then they get to have that kind of shared meaning of that book that they received from you or whoever, maybe it was their grandpa or their dad or their best friend or whoever it is. Books just have this really unique way of bringing people together because mm -hmm. of their symbolism. They they mean things like, like that's the whole point of a book is to communicate meaning and what a person's heart is about this or that. And I love that about books. I love that it causes us to kind of slow down um, and think deeply on a subject. And many times it causes us to think deeply, not just with the author. So you sit down with a book, you read it, and you read the author. But many times books are given to us and it causes us almost to have like a three-way relationship mm -hmm. where you read the book and you engage with the author's meaning and what they want to communicate to you, but also you're thinking about the person that handed that book to you right. and what they think about that and how you can grab those ideas and then take that into a conversation. And those ideas might um, stir around in your mind and the pot of ideas. And maybe even one day could be a book in itself. Those, those ideas could yeah. be swirled around with other people's ideas and what you loved about the book and that other person loved about the book and what the author had to say. And it's just really neat how meaning goes and gets spread about the world through books. Books just have a really cool aspect of them. I like that, especially because my dad passed away when I was 17 and mm -hmm. he didn't have a lot of books that um, he gave to me. He read a ton and I don't know what happened to all of the books that he read, but the few books that I did have, um, I know of two of them and he had a Bible he had taken notes in, he had highlighted, he was a big highlighter. And so, like you're saying, that three-way three relationship I was able to have, even after my dad was gone, I was able to sit down, look at a book. Um, I think I have some devotionals too, and just see his notes, see his highlights and think, you know, what was my dad thinking? You know, yeah. or this part stuck out to him, I wonder why. Or maybe I, because I'm reading that, I can see why it stuck out to him. 
And those are things that you'll treasure forever. Right, right. So those books on the bookshelf become like beaming lights. Those are the highlighted books mm-hmm. to you because you loved your dad so much, but you don't have your dad now to right. ask him what he thought about this or that. But you can pick up a book that he was reading and see how he highlighted this or that. And you know that that stuck out to him. Yeah. And because he highlighted that or jotted down a little note there, it brings this whole new meaning I just love it. It's a really beautiful thing how books have that um, way of bringing people together in a way that so many other things don't. And they're they're symbolic in other ways, too. They're kind of like reminders of our mental experiences. And they they serve as like a catalog of ideas that you can kind of look on and trace your your line of thought. At least that's the way in my thinking it is. Like when I come to my bookshelf... I can look at my bookshelf and point to different books and almost do a connect the dots on how I came to this or that conclusion uh, because this person was formative in thinking that thought and then that person interacted with that last book and you can you can kind of just trace it and look al- along your bookshelf and see it's kind of like a map of your browsing history that it's helpful not only to yourself but to your family as well to where one day I hope to like be able to take Henry or Honora and Evangeline to the bookshelf and just point to the books like when they're asking me about this or that and when they're older I can say you know what I think a good book to start with would be this one mm-hmm. this helped me think this thought and then you say and after that and they still have questions you can point them to this and that one or even say remember when we read this and remember what that author said right. remember this quote you know right. or let's look in here I remember this author said something here and then if you have notes in that book you're able to kind of jump ahead to the chapter and look at those notes too right it's right cool. yeah and the books themselves like become those reminders of those um mental experiences as well i can think of like a couple books that come to my mind like uh, jonathan edwards freedom of the will like i can remember distinctly where i was when i was reading that book sitting on our couch in our house in omaha later in the evenings and just the the light of the lamp um, and just wrestling with those ideas that Edwards, Edwards was trying to communicate in a different age, in a different time, but here I am in the 21st century trying to think through his mind, uh, arguably the greatest philosopher of American history, and just think about his ideas, things like that, or a book like Wild at Heart, like the first mm-hmm. book that I, that I really, I want to say really ever read. Like I'd kind of read books before, um, but before you gave me that book, I had never really sat down and read a book like I had with that one. Like I had book reports and I would always kind of do the spark notes thing <laughs> when I was in school. Sorry, teachers, if you're listening to this. Um, I never read the books that I was supposed to. I just kind of skimmed through them, um, got what I needed to, and then got out of there because I didn't care about thinking deeply. I didn't care about any of that. But that book really challenged me to just be a man and... Uh, to lean into all the um, adventure and excitement that life offers us. And books have a really cool way of doing that. Like, That's a cool story in and of itself, the fact that you weren't a reader. Right, right. I hated reading. But your reading. future wife knew she was not going to marry a non-reader. Right. <laughs> and so I actually gave him that book with the intention of, like, I need to marry a man who can read. You know, like, he read his Bible, but... There's so many people out there that just say, I'm not interested in reading or I'm a slow reader. And I just, I've never liked that kind of thinking. 
And so I thought, I've never even, I never had even read Wild at Heart. I just prayed about like, what book should I give him? Because I read very girly books, (laughs) you know, um, and I wasn't really deep into theology. So I gave him that book and I prayed that when I gave it to him, that the Lord would just do something in his heart. And the Lord used that book for a lot of other things. <laughs> yeah. Now, anytime I see that book when I'm at the Goodwill, I buy it every, every time. <laughs> I have like two of them here that I bought from the Goodwill because it's such a good book that I buy it any chance I get because I want to give that same gift to someone else. Yeah, and I it's know... a good starter. We give it to a lot of young men. Yeah, A lot is. of people who say they're not readers um, or just a lot of men that need to hear what that book says. We give it to a lot of them. Yeah. So men, if you're looking for a book to start reading, if you're not a reader, Wild at Heart by John Eldridge is a fantastic book to just jump into the art of reading. It, it really is an art, too. I mean, mm-hmm. reading isn't something that you just kind of sit down and you do great the first time. That You need entry books. You need books that yeah. are going to kind of help you ease into things. I can't imagine picking up like that Wild at Heart book and then going straight to Jonathan Edwards' Freedom yeah, of the Will. Yeah, and I think too many people do. They're like, well, I'm not, you know, a reader. And then they start off with a book that doesn't interest them, whether it's fiction or nonfiction, and they're not a fiction person or they're not a nonfiction person or they jump in too deep, you know. Yeah. Um, I think finding the right book to start with really does help create that interest. Yeah, and you'll find... Um, authors that you really love too, not just individual books. Like uh, Eugene Peterson is an author that I just really love his writing. Um, and when I think of pastoral ministry, his book um, under the under the unpredictable plant comes to mind every time. And he has lots of books on pastoral ministry, uh, but that one was the first one that I read where I was really kind of awakened to what pastoral ministry really was. Um, he's he was formative in my calling towards. Uh, pastoral ministry to become a seminarian and to get involved in ministry, really. I mean, I I had a love for it before that, uh, but he's really what helped solidify in my mind that I really want to do this. I want to be this kind of man that's doing these kind of things. He's setting forth uh, this this kind of discipline uh, for the pastorate. I love that. And he has a way of just sharing his heart that's really beautiful, too. Another thing about books is that they can kind of creep up on you, too. Um, I think of a book like C.S. Lewis's That Hideous Strength. When I read that book the first time, it really didn't strike me as that exciting or fun or that impactful. Um, It was the third, it is the third, um, of his Space Trilogy. Um, And it's just so different than the first two books. The first two are really exciting. They have a lot to do with space. And then here comes That Hideous Strength that's... The setting is on Earth. Um, it's not that exciting at first. Uh, but that book, over time, really crept up on me um, in the way that it that Lewis wrote about like institutionalism, professionalism, and the way that uh, those kind of things can just kind of suck you in. So I um, am learning now, the older I get, the more I'm involved with institutions, the more I have leadership roles and things like that. It's easy to see what Lewis was getting at there. And I didn't appreciate that as much at the time when I first read the book. Uh, I was younger and it hadn't really sunk in. But now, as I go back and think on that book, he really, really wonderfully puts those complicated um, complicated situations that I think aren't usually talked about. Um, 
But yeah, and it's not just that. But there's tons of books and lots of different things where Lewis or Edwards or whoever it is might be writing about this or that. That your mind just symbolically goes to that person. When they think of this subject, they think of that author or that book. And they just are really, um, they're really neat in the way that they do that. Yeah, I agree. Okay, so this is House to Home. And here we are talking about books. How does this all connect together? What what do books have to do with the home? What does reading have to do with the home? Why are we having a podcast on books in the home? Well, for our home, books are, they're, they make up so much of our home. I mean, there are books in every room of our home. We read books every day, multiple times a day. We talk about what we're reading. So for us, it's just kind of a no-brainer, like, home goes with books, books go with home. It's kind of like um, they go together really well uh, for lots of reasons um, that I'm sure you have too. I mean, for learning and for education, obviously, but also for leisure um, and for quality time and family time, for self-reflection and self-care. You know, maybe if you're needing some time alone, getting away with a good book is way more refreshing than going to watch a show and there's times for that too, but um, there's just something that is relaxing about reading a book. And then also for creativity and imagination, you know, if you're sticking your kids in front of a TV all day long, they're not going to be using their brain the same way that a book is using that. And um, it's also helping them to be able to communicate better. Um, it's also helping us not to be overstimulated. And so other than the reasons that you've already said, you know, for them to kind of be a map of our life and then also given to other people. It's kind of a sharing of who we are, what we believe, what we're interested in, what has touched us, that sort of thing. Just aside from that, um, there's all sorts of other reasons as well why we love books and why we use them daily. Yeah, I think another thing that books do is help widen our way of thinking about the world so it kind of keeps us uh, diverse but not in like a undiscriminating way it's not like we just take in everything but it keeps our eyes open to all the thoughts and ideas that the world has to offer and I think that many homes um, are kind of just echo chambers and you can even do that with books too so I shouldn't say that books inherently do that but but they can uh, but in our home their books are important because they they don't uh, become just an echo chamber. They really become a portal into the minds of the great thinkers of the world. Because yeah. we, we grab the classics. We grab the books that all through history people have kind of heralded as the classic, the greats. Um, and we read those. And we read them with discrimination. And uh, some of them we love. Some of them we um, don't get it. And um, <laughs> I think that it's our duty uh, to honor some of those classics by reading them and giving our opinion. Uh, so we, we keep ourselves diverse. Uh, we don't, that. yeah, we don't like, we're not scared to read things that we don't agree with. We're not scared to read things that are different than our thinking. Um, we're not scared to read things that are non-Christian, you right. know? Yeah. Um, who is it that says, eat the meat, spit out the bones? Is it? Everyone says Everyone that. says that, right? <laughs> so you but, said it first. But it's true. And I think you do have to be careful, of course. Don't take a witchcraft book home and start reading it. Yeah, no. Yeah, that's a bad idea. Um, but... But there is that principle, like St. Augustine, um, his sermon on 
uh, Exodus where he's talking about the plundering of the Egyptians. There's a couple times in Exodus where the people of God are being uh, freed from the slavery in Egypt, but God gives them a command to go and ask of their neighbors of their gold and their silver and to take those things. And St. Augustine basically says we can use that as kind of a, a rubric for how we should interact with the world. Like the world is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. So everything that's out there is ours. So it's our job to go and take and to cultivate and shape what is in the world and then take dominion of that. Um, mm-hmm. So you might find that in the craziest places. You might find it in a culturally relevant book that you would never see on a church shelf, uh, but you might buy it just because that's what everyone's talking about. And you might find that there's some things that that person actually has to say that are helpful in the discussion that may not be right on the whole, but you might be able to take that um, and shape it in a different way and be able to see truth even in what they are saying um, and run with that and be able to engage culture in a way that you wouldn't otherwise be able to do. So it keeps us um, diverse in our thinking. Another cool thing about books is um, that when you have a bookshelf that's full of diverse books with all kinds of different topics and things to offer, it kind of becomes like this medicine cabinet to where when you're going through um, this crisis or that um, tragedy in life or this exciting thing in life, it might not be bad. It might be good. Um, uh, Or you can kind of go to the bookshelf and pick up a book that corresponds to that moment Mm -hmm. in your life. And uh, that book will probably, if you're reading it at a formative time in your life, be kind of like a high point and a a highlighted book for you, um, that kind of token of meaning uh, that you'll be able to look back on where it's forever stamped that you read that book when you had your first child. Like I think about that book, um, What Ticks, not What to Expect When You're Expecting. There was was a men's version. Yeah, I'm trying to remember the name (laughs) of it. But there was a book uh, that I read when we were, when you were pregnant with Enora. Um, on fatherhood and it was a secular book it wasn't even a christian book it was just basically telling the fathers all about pregnancy and birth and it was very informative like i was very um certain that mason could deliver my child in our living room if he had to (laughs) but also mason's the type of person to not just go with the book but to think and research further and be prepared um (laughs) but it was a good book we'll have to figure that out so i can share it yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, or your loved one is going through this severe um, tragedy like cancer. Um, you can go pick a book up like, oh, what's that book? Uh, Don't Waste Your Suffering by John Piper or Yeah, um, we had Tim a Keller. friend who was going through cancer, and we, we sent her a little box of goodies. Um, and we, we sent John Piper, I think, a little – it was a, more like a pamphlet like a Mm -hmm. devotional. And then we also sent Psalms for trials Mm -hmm. to her, um, which is a good one for trials. And I've not read that whole one, but uh, she benefited from it. So it definitely is like spiritual medicine. Books can be that. Obviously your Bible is that all the time. Right, right. But other books, we're just talking about other books besides the Bible. Right. I was going to say all this is assumed that we're reading our Bibles (laughs) and that's where we're getting all of our I shouldn't say Oliver. That's where we're getting most of our spiritual nourishment from. Um, and those other books just serve to kind of uh, supplement and come around the Bible. Those are just other voices and commentators really on uh, what the truth is. I think so. a lot of people, though, 
they say, okay, well, I'm not reading my Bible, so I can't read books in general. And I think that that's just an excuse to not read anything. <laughs> like, they're like, okay, I can't read my Bible every day, so I can't pick up another book either. And um, I don't think you should be reading other things over your Bible. But at the same time, like, are you looking at your phone more than you're looking at your Bible? Are you watching TV more than you're looking at your Bible? Are you spending more time with other people than reading your Bible? So don't, you know, like, um, beat yourself up over the fact that you slammed down a fiction book, but you had trouble reading that chapter in your Bible. I do think, obviously, you should be reading your Bible. Um, but at the same time, don't make the excuse that because I don't read my Bible, I can't read other books, you know? Yeah. Um, read both <laughs> yeah. and find a love for reading. So honestly, other books get me more interested in the Bible. Other books mm. make me crave to read my Bible more because I see that they're qu- quoting scripture like crazy. They're using scripture here where I didn't even think about that verse or they're telling the story and they're bringing light to it in a way that I had never seen. And then I'm able to go back to the Bible and see like, are they right? Are they really telling that in a true way? And I'm like, by golly, they were, you know, or no, they weren't, you know, they added stuff in. (laughs) Um, So it actually makes me want to read my Bible more when I'm reading good books. Yeah. It's the same with regular books as well too. Like I think about um, some of the books that I've actually bought because I was reading another book and they had quoted um, a certain book or in the notes and the footnotes where they're citing a, a work. Um, I, I read a quote that is in one book. And I'm like, wow, that is a really good quote. And I go to look up that author or that book. Yeah. I go and buy that book and I find, wow, I love this author. And I think mm-hmm. that um, some of the books that I've even bought for you, I've read through my own uh, reading in a book and they quote like this, uh, like a female. The Quotidian the, the Moments quotidian, yeah. by Kathleen Norris. He bought for me because he had read it in a different, a quote from her in a different book. Yeah, I think it was in Eat This Book by Eugene Peterson, actually. Yeah. And both of those are great books. Yeah. Quotidian Moments by Kathleen Norris and Eat This Book by Eugene Peterson. Yeah. Both are good. Yeah. And when you have a house um, that's full of books that communicates um, to yourself and to others too that you value education that you value like mm-hmm. the thoughts of others that you're not just closed-minded that you're ready to hear other people out and hear what people have to say we we live in a society that's um, really cleared out their study um, there used to be offices in people's homes there used to be studies in people's homes and now they've really replaced that with entertainment centers those rooms that used to have um, libraries in them now have video games and TVs mm-hmm. yeah. and that's like the computer room um, and it didn't used to be that way. It used to be that room had a, three or four bookshelves and a really comfy chair and people sat down and they spent hours of their day communicating, thinking on, dwelling over the meaning um, that lies in the book before them that is really learning the heart of another person, whereas now we're just so disconnected and quiet meditation with an old book is just not even on our mind at all. It's the never sleeping internet um, that's in front of our faces. It's the never ending um, Instagram feed that you can just keep scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. Whereas a book is just not like that. A book yeah. has a start, it has a finish, it has a meaning and a purpose, and you sit down and you just ruminate in that. Yeah. Uh, whereas the the world we live in tries to just kind of get you to a place where it's never ending. It's kind of just this eternal blah of ideas and thoughts that are all conflicting all contradictory and you just have to somehow eat it all and figure out who you are in this world whereas books 
don't do that. They, they're not overwhelming in the sense that, like, Google is. <laughs> yeah, well, I think we've switched and we have started being entertained. And so we're in this entertaining mindset and we're not engaging. Whereas in, with a book, you have to engage. You have to know how to read. You have to know how to use your imagination. Um, then if you want to share what you're reading or then take what you read, you have to know how to communicate those thoughts And so when you're reading, you really, there's a lot of engaging going on. But when you're just sitting in front of your phone or in front of your TV, a lot of it is just entertaining. And um, that really, over time, I think, can wear us down. So I think part of that, too, is making books really, like, easily accessible because TV is super accessible in, in most homes. You know, video games, phones are extremely convenient um, but books a lot of times aren't. A lot of times parents keep books high up so kids don't ruin them or, you know, the kids can't get them or you don't have very many. And so they're not readily available. And so, yeah, it's going to be easy to just grab your phone or pop a show on because it takes time and it takes engagement to sit down with a book. Right. And books like physical, tangible books are a really good way to like organize your thinking too. like my bookshelf isn't just random books on a shelf like the way that the internet kind of is or at least to us like the internet is just a world of ideas that aren't necessarily organized until you do the right searches and whatnot but if you have a bookshelf that's organized it in many ways reflects an organized mind that you know that you have these thoughts about um, this category and this topic like if i go to my bookshelf i can go i can point you straight to my thoughts on pastoral ministry because those books represent that they're all in one place and i know what i think about that whereas the world that we live in now like with blogs and just the fast-paced media like everything's non-stop streaming and you can't really catalog anything like Mm -hmm. people don't snip articles from newspapers anymore because no one reads newspapers anymore they read blogs and once the blog's gone they forever forget about it or the the news as it scrolls through the um the headlines at the bottom of the screen like you read it and you agree or disagree but at the end of the day you don't really get to catalog that the way that yeah. you can with a book so well, it's harder to then go to it and pick it up and sit back down with it again right. or you and know you... look up a quote there's something about a book even though they're so large you know they're bigger than a blog it's like you remember more you remember oh i read this chapter you know or oh i read this quote and then i want to go back and find it and so you go to your book and you find it right Right. And you just can't do that with news. Yeah. And it's so true because I think about like parenting, you know, okay. So you said, if I want to tell you what I think about preaching, you know, I can go here. Well, if I want to tell you what I think about parenting, I can take you to my bookshelf and give you some of the parenting books that I love, you know? Um, And that's in a section too, in our family section. Like that's a part of our bookshelf. We could take you to the history section. Yeah. And those books are mostly formative i mean we we get our thoughts formed from places besides books it's not that books are the only place that you can find um, formation in the way that you think but for the most part that is where we interact with ideas yeah, like, well yeah. good nonfiction is going to point you to the scriptures too and tell you like this is where we get this idea you know like if it is a topic like parenting you know or something like that it's it's not just going to give their thoughts it's going to go back to what is true right um so what about like audiobooks and ebooks? So those are books. What do you what do you think about those? I think 
they can be good, but I think obviously talking about the technology aspect of things, they can also, there's definitely downers. There's definitely negative impacts of them and definitely something that you miss with those. Um, But I do think they can be great in certain seasons. Like I think back to when I'm nursing children, which I'm not right now. I read a lot on my phone, and so I will get books. I don't do much audiobooks, but I know a lot of people who do, who, like, have jobs. Like, I mean, you've done podcasts and audiobooks, but I don't do them a lot here because I have to be so present with my children all the time. But with ebooks, I did do those a lot because it was easier for me to have my phone than a book when I was nursing a child. I was switching back and forth. I had legs kicking, you know. I mean, if you're a nursing mom, you know how that is. So... I went through a season of reading a lot of books on my phone, but still with that, it kind of stinks because then I don't have the physical copy and I read a good book and I didn't really get to write down my notes and highlights. And yeah, I can go back to my ebook and do that. But it, like you said, it's just not the same. And so a lot of times when I read a good ebook, I then go and buy the copy um, just because I want to have it. You know, if someone says, what's a good book on this? I want to be able to give it to them and say, hey, you know, here, this is good. But I really like when I'm able to give a person a book that I've already put notes in. I just like that. Yeah. Yeah, I think that they can be good, too. Like, I look back on the books that I've read from a physical book, the ones I've listened to on an audio book, the ones that I've read on e-books. And there's been some, like, that hideous strength. I read that as an e-book. Did you? Um, yeah, I read it at work. Because... I think it depends on the book, too. Well, like what yeah. book you're I, I would. I need to go buy a copy of that book. Fiction might be different, you know. Um, but I read that book as in an ebook format because it was free online. Um, and I read it at work and years ago. Um, and it came back and I really reaped the fruits from it. So it's not that I didn't get anything about that or anything good out of that book. Um, I do wish that I had the physical book, though, that I could sit down and read and books uh, like audiobooks um i haven't listened to a lot of audiobooks but the couple that i've had i've enjoyed like um i listened to i think the first audiobook that i listened to on audible was love does by bob goff and that book was a book that everyone was raving about at the time and i kind of read it as um a critique i was gonna, i was reading it <laughs> thinking here's another one of those um cheesy self-help books that the evangelical world is raving about um and i'm gonna go read it and see what everyone's talking about and see how it's not that great of a book um but bob goff narrated that book and i think he did a fantastic job i i fell in love with bob goff's writing and his personality uh, by listening to Love Does by Bob Goff. That might come as a surprise to some people, but um, I really enjoyed that book, and he narrated it, like I said, and I don't think that if he narrated it, I would have enjoyed it near as much. Um, if some random dude would have narrated it, it wouldn't have been near as captivating, but because he narrated it, it, it kind of caught my ear for him, I guess you could say, and now I, I love reading his books. I think he's a really genuine person. He's a great um example of what it means to be a christian there's so many books like that though that i've read from people that i do not agree with their theology as a whole or i don't there might even be like things that i highly disagree with about certain things but they'll write a book on a certain topic and it's very pointed like his being very pointed about love um i've read one by tish warren that's really pointed about your liturgy in the home and i agreed with 
probably 95% of what she said in that book, and I loved it, and it's still one of my favorite books about home life. Um, but that doesn't mean I endorse everything she does, you know. Yeah. Um, but I think that's with everything. I don't expect everyone to endorse everything I believe here on this podcast, but I hope you still listen and glean something from it. <laughs> yeah, and that's another thing. It, books teach you how to do, like you were talking about, um, shoot eat the, the meat. meat. Yeah, eat the meat, spit out the bones, like learning to be discerning and know how to think through things and um, make distinctions is really helpful as a human being, not just a Christian, but like how to parse things out and think through things and have your own thoughts Mm -hmm. um, about a certain topic, not just stealing other people's thoughts, but interacting with them in such a way that you can then regurgitate those kind of opinions and uh, structure your ideas um, based upon what you've read, it's it's really helpful, like you said, in communicating. Like, yeah. Books help you be a better human. Because <laughs> when you read a book, you have to realize the author is not infallible. It's coming from people who are fallible and who are going to probably say 5% bad things along with the nine, 95% good things. <laughs> yep. So, <laughs> my, uh, I had a professor at seminary that would say at the end of his sermons just to aggravate people, uh, 50% of everything that I just said to you uh, was false. Which is the true part and which is the false part, I don't know. <laughs> Go figure it out. <laughs> so, yeah, but but audiobooks, ebooks, they're good. They, ha- I think they serve a, a good purpose. I, I would in no way say that I'm against them. But if you compare them to a physical book, just ask yourself, would you rather read an ebook that your grandpa recommended or the physical book that your grandpa had handed you that was maybe leather bound, yeah. um, had his hands all over it, had his coffee stains on it, it had his notes in it, his underlined things, and maybe even wrinkled pages from mm-hmm. his tears. We um, was really moved by this or that. Um, you just can't replace physical books. Like there, There's a, something about them that is so different than anything else. Even if you take those same words, that same text, and just put it in a different format, put it in an audiobook, put it in an ebook. It's just not the same as being able to hold it in your hands. And that's just really something great. I think that you can have that kind of token that God has put in our world, those kind of things, uh, to where these books, these symbolic things that communicate meaning can just be handed to someone else. And it hasn't always necessarily been that way. Like we mm-hmm. haven't had books in the way that we do now forever. Like, the Bible was the kind of the first one to start that trend of books being bound the way that they are now. We used to have scrolls and papyrus and books just weren't the way that they are now. So the, the printing press has really revolutionized the way that we communicate ideas with other people. And it's a really beautiful thing. It is. Okay, so I don't think I have any other things to talk about. And talk about some tips. Yeah, we can talk about some tips. I, I, I don't have, have anything to, else to say, I don't think, about books. I mean, I could talk about uh, certain books and specific books all day, but, like, the idea of books, let's just talk about tips now. Okay. I know you have tips. I have tips for children when it comes to books. Um, I think I kind of already touched this, but keeping books accessible for children is huge, So I have all of the books that the kids 
are allowed to touch so that, you know, homeschool books, I don't want them getting out and getting into, obviously, certain ones of mine or their dad's. I don't want them getting into, and they know that, but I keep all of their books easily accessible for them. They can go grab it off the shelf, and then I have one of those wall shelves from Ikea um, that I keep them switched out. I think it's a good idea to keep them switched out. I do that monthly and definitely seasonally, so I've got summer, spring, fall, winter books that I put on that shelf. And then also I have baskets lying around with books in the living room. We've got baskets on the coffee table with books and Really, there's books in every room, even the kitchen. You know, there's yeah, cookbooks. Um, in the bathroom, books come and go, depending on who's in there. Um, there's books everywhere, and I think keeping them readily available is really helpful for kiddos. Um, so books aren't off limits for our kids. They're even allowed to play with the books and stack the books as long as they're being gentle and as long as they ask, but they also know, like, you know, don't go rummaging through dad's books and just slamming them on the floor, teaching them to be gentle. If we just always say, don't touch that, don't touch that, don't touch that, they never learn how to treat books. Yeah. They have to Put learn. your old ones on the high shelves, too, because yeah. some books are valuable and can't be yeah. replaced. Because I have had kids mark on books before and ruin really pretty books um, that... That is a bummer, you know. I'm not saying just let them destroy your books. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying teach them how to um, how to treat books. Teach them to be gentle. Teach them not to eat them. Yeah, teach them not to eat them. But at the same time, with your kids' books, don't be mad when a favorite book becomes unbound and you have to tape it or the pages get ripped and you have to tape it. That's just a book that's really well-loved. And with the kids' books, um, I'm a lot more gracious with them with those than it than I am with our books, you know, because yeah. they like to read those same books over and over and over again. And then those books will get destroyed eventually. We have, I mean, I have some from Honora when she was little that I don't even have anymore. Like it's like one page is left because she read it so often and carried it around with her, which also um, kind of goes into another tip because they read the same ones over and over. I think a lot of times parents can get discouraged in that because I don't want to keep reading the same books over and over but I think that's good Uh, people will even tell you that that is a really good and healthy habit when a kid wants to read a book over and over again because it helps them with patterns and rhythms and they're kind of able to nail down the vocab or the grammar and I think too they just they want to read books over and over again for the same reasons that adults do if you have a good fiction book or even nonfiction book that you love I know many people who read books yearly because they were so beneficial to them or fiction books that they really love that they'll just go through and read the series again. So, yeah, it might be like cat chases dog, dog chases cat and really boring. But if your kid loves it, read it over to them because that's instilling a love of reading in them. And then that also um, brings me to a Chesterton quote. That I thought you guys would like. G.K. Chesterton says, A child kicks his legs rhythmically through excess, not absence of life. Because children have a bounding vitality, because they are in spirit fierce and free, therefore they want things repeated and unchanged. They always say, do it again, and the grown-up person does it again until he is nearly dead. For grown-up people are not strong enough to exalt in monotony. But perhaps God is strong enough. It is possible that God says every morning, do it again to the sun, and every evening, do it again to the moon. 
It may not be automatic necessity that makes all daisies alike. It may be that God makes every daisy separately, but has never gotten tired of making them. It may be that he has the eternal appetite of infancy, for we have sinned and grown old, and our Father is younger than we. I think that is so beautiful and makes me just want to do it again, (laughs) you know, makes me want to read the book again or throw the kid on the couch again. Uh, Kids love repetition and we do, we get old and kind of boring, but I think books help keep us young and childlike at heart. Yeah, that's good. Mine aren't nearly as insightful as that. I I just had a couple (laughs) uh, notes because my mind is in seminary world. Um, I've, I've been taking a lot of notes and trying to comprehend and actually learn the things that I'm reading, not just kind of read them, because I think that's what a lot of people do, is they just kind of put a book on the checklist. Um, They've read it, so they just assume that because they've read it, they comprehended everything. But I found that even more than underlining in books, and by the way, I'm not a highlighter. I don't like highlighting in books. Mason got very angry with me (laughs) at the beginning, which was funny, because I was a reader, and I was always a highlighter, and he's like, you are not going to highlight in my books. So I am now an underliner, guys. But I did buy erasable highlighters for the book lovers out there. Amazon sells erasable highlighters. Still don't use them, though. Um, But if you are a highlighter, you can get those. But when you (laughs) underline, make sure you use your bookmark um, as a straight edge to make sure they're good, clean, straight lines and never highlight. Um, Unless you're a mom and then your lines will go through your words. <laughs> That's how you know if it was a mom or a dad. That's how you know if it was me notes. underlining or Mason. Masons are Question rulers. Is, are, are you striking through the words because they're false and you disagree <laughs> with them? Or are you underlining them because they're no. so good? If they're false and you disagree with them, there will be a note on the side. I've, I've wondered that when I've read, read books that people have underlined things in that I bought as used books. I wonder if. Are they just striking through this because they disagree or are they just thinking it's good and they just decided to underline and miss the whole thing? Just assume it was a female reading that book and she was a mom. Okay. Um, So anyway, my tip was to use small sticky notes. This is something that I've started more recently, but you know the normal sticky notes. They're like maybe a couple inches and they're square. Uh, They also make small sticky notes, those little yellow ones that are less than an inch even. Uh, but just enough to where you can kind of jot down small notes. And if you get those and just barely stick them outside the page far enough to where you would be able to you kind of use that as a bookmark to pick that book back up, you can underline things and jot down a little note where you don't have to write in your book. Sometimes you run out of lines. The margins aren't always big enough. But anyway, I found that helpful to kind of like catalog the main points of a book, especially for seminary as I go back through the chapters and try to remember like, what this person said, what Marcian said, what heresy he was going on about, or this person or that person, or how the early church thought about this or that. Like the those sticky notes are really helpful for me, and just jotting down uh, small notes that I can return to someday. Um, another thing that I do is I keep a list of books that I read every year. Um, so I have books I've read in 2021, books I've read in 2019. I think all the way back to 20. 15 maybe anyway um i've been cataloging books it's a word that keeps coming up cataloging i do a lot of cataloging <laughs> didn't even realize it um but i i keep the books uh, a record of the books that i've read and i rate them all so that i can go back and kind of 
reflect on what books might be worth reading again. You usually know once you've read the book whether or not you want to read it again or not. But uh, keeping a list of the books I think is helpful too to kind of be able to locate what points in your life you read what things. Like I can go back and read what books I read in 2017 to see kind of where my ideas were shaped that year and what what I was thinking about this or that in that time period. And I think it's helpful too um, to recommend to other people if you're not sure what you thought about a book, um, you can always jump back to your ratings. I do a scale from one to 10 um, and I just rate whole numbers. I at one point tried to do like half numbers and then I realized I just need to be more bold and give a solid uh, seven instead of seven and a half. Um, and I also tried one year to uh, rate by words, and I think that'd be a cool practice. I just wasn't very good at it to try to I give like that. give like a one sentence or one phrase summary of the whole book. I found that way more difficult. I do that only if so I write them kind of like you. I can't remember exactly what I use if it's like a scale of one to ten or what, but I basically just say like, was it a good book or a bad book? And um, if something stuck out to me, like, this is a great book on parenting, or this is great for home life, this is great for stay-at-home moms, this is great for homeschooling, I'll just make, you know, like a side note so that, like you say, when I go back through it, if someone else is wanting, because you would think that these books would come to your mind, but if you're reading a lot, sometimes you can really forget um, what you've, not like forget what you've read, but it'll just kind of get out of your brain for the time being and then you'll think oh i should have recommended that you know right. yeah and i think note taking helps us remember those books better I think too. so too um so take the sticky note idea um another and final tip that i have is to read many books at a time mm-hmm. um it would have never crossed my mind growing up to read it all and especially not to read more than one book at a time uh, but once i fell in love with reading i found that if i read several books at a time I can actually read more you might think that wow Mm -hmm. that's just overwhelming I would just get too clogged up and trying to read more than one book at once Um, but actually what it helps you do is it helps you take a break from other some books and jump to others like read um, a a book that's a biography book and then also a nonfiction and then a fiction and um, just different um, genres will help you kind of keep in the habit of reading all the time so you can read uh, like I'm right right now I'm reading seven books uh, at the moment which um, is a little bit wider than the range I'd like to normally read if I was leisurely reading not reading books that they're making me read for seminary I'd probably read something more like four maybe five Um, but keeping different genres um, on your reading list at one time I think is a good way to slam a lot of books And also to keep yourself from getting bored. Yeah, I think that's great advice. A lot of people say, no, don't do that because then you don't comprehend what you're reading. And they say to only read one book at a time so that you know what you're reading and you're not getting confused. But I'm reading four, right? Four to five books right now at a time. And we talk about this often, how the books end up going together, how one thing touches another thing. And it's so mind boggling that you know, we're reading these books of totally different authors, totally different time frames, but yet the Lord is somehow weaving together these topics for our life. And it's really neat. And then also, like you said, it helps us not stay bored. So if one of them is harder to read, but you want to read it, 
Uh, maybe it's a, you know, nonfiction that you have to read for seminary, or maybe it's something that you have to read for homeschooling, or it's just something that you want to learn about, but you're not super interested in. Having the variety there helps you kind of take a break and read another. Whereas I feel like if you're reading one book at a time, uh, you get bored and then you just put it down and you don't do anything. And, but you could just put it down, read a chapter and then pick up another book. And so I say, try it. If you're not a reader and you think, gosh, reading four books, five books at a time sounds really outrageous. Just try it. Like pick up a fiction, pick up a nonfiction, pick up another nonfiction and then see what happens, you know, or pick up books and three different subjects so that you can read what you want to read when you feel like it. And then don't be afraid to stop reading the book. Put it down. If you don't like it, pick it back up later or never pick it up. You know, don't feel bad. I have gotten like close to the end of a book. I know this sounds ridiculous and just stopped (laughs) because it just got super repetitive. Literally read like skimmed, like skin read, read the like last few chapters and thought that's saying nothing new. (laughs) Like it's saying the same. Or when someone gives you a book read it, you know, like read the book that they gave you, even if it's not something you agree with, or at least like fast read or skim through, you know, kind of get the gist of what it's saying. Um, I don't know. I benefit from that. Yeah. And you can read kind of like primary and secondary sources uh, together too. That I found that's pretty helpful. Like uh, reading a book like the Republic and then reading what someone says about the Republic. Yes. uh, Something like that. So widening like the conversation making it more of a communal thing is helpful as well and find people to read with too like mm-hmm. f- find friends do a are, book club yeah do a book club instagram people are always doing book clubs yep yep so there's lots of ways to just widen your range of learning through the medium of books books are a gift to mankind they really really are that that we have tangible things that we can kind of crack open and get in touch with another person's heart is just a really amazing thing that we can have a book like a note-taking Bible. Like I, I have a Bible that I read every day and I take notes in it. Or the it's journaling a, it's, Bibles. Yeah, the journaling Bibles. I have Bibles. two for the girls and yeah. Henry has one for, or Mason has one for him. Crossway puts out a journaling Bible that I just think is a really beautiful thing that I can take notes right to my son as I'm reading my Bible every morning. He can't read now. He's not going to be able to read for years. He's <laughs> he's only a year old, but one day I'm going to be dead and gone and my son is going to be able to have that Bible to where he can crack mm-hmm. it open, read my notes, read the Bible and be able to interact with ideas that I've had that God has and and be able to have that reading experience where he's reading in community. And that's really what reading is all about. It's not about just getting alone and isolated. It's really about coming together with the rest of the world, with the rest of humanity, and sharing the ideas uh, that swirl around in this amazing place that God's given to us. Hey guys, Bree here. No giveaway this month. This month we're actually asking that you would share, subscribe, and leave a rating and review for our podcast. If you've enjoyed it thus far, if you've benefited from it and it's been an encouragement to you, then maybe even consider sending it in a text message to a friend or sharing it on your social media and giving us a tag. We've truly been blessed already by our listening audience, so thank you. Uh, We can't do it without your support, that's for sure. So it's crazy to think that we've been doing this for a little over a year now and we've enjoyed the journey. We want to keep continuing to bring you more podcasts and resources as time goes on. 
So you sharing, subscribing, leaving a rating and review, all of that helps us. So big, big thank you from house to home.